Hey, what's up? It's the Drive with Tay and Piper, ESPN Radio 93.5. Derek Piper, Lante, Kyle Tosk. Quite a basketball game in Evanston that last night. was a hell of a basketball game. The Illini, unfortunately, fall 96-91 in an overtime thriller to the Wildcats. Boo Booey goes crazy. Illinois offensively had a pretty good night. Had some tough finishes at the rim that didn't go right. down, but it was the defensive issues that ultimately swung the game and allowed Northwestern, who has been very, very good at home, have beaten number one Purdue and then added number 10 Illinois to their resume. We're going to start off the show. Obviously, we're going to talk a lot about that game, but we'll get an inside perspective from our guy Luke Goody, who's on the Tapman's Towing phone line right now. This segment brought to you by some great sponsors, as always, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend, First Federal Savings Bank, Local and Trusted, and by Max Twin City Recycling. Luke, thanks for joining us. How you doing today? I know it was a, probably a disappointing and, and tough one to take last night, but a pretty high-level game. Uh, what say you on that? Yeah, yeah, it was a tough loss last night, but um, it was one of the better atmospheres to play in. Uh, you know, it's, it's fun when... And the crowd is split 50-50 because people are cheering regardless of what happens in the game. So uh, it was an enjoyable atmosphere, and uh, unfortunately we lost, but it was just a, a good college basketball game. As you think back, you, you guys had a chance to win it at the end of regulation. Bowie makes that play to then score on the pump fake, got Terrence in the air and scored it. Damask had a chance at the, at the very last few seconds getting the switch and, and, and taking that shot. There's a number of different angles that we can hit on with you as far as breaking down this game, but just wanted your thoughts on that final look you guys got in regulation. It seemed like matchup-wise, it was exactly what Brad Underwood probably drew up in that last huddle. Yeah, yeah, the end of the game, we wanted to get Marcus downhill. You know, he was having a good game. He was hot. Um, I think he had 20 points at the time, so, you know, our whole game plan was get the mismatches, find the mismatches, and kind of space them out, and that's what we did. You know, Marcus got his mismatch and got downhill. Shot a shot that he makes, you know, good amount of time. And unfortunately, it didn't go in, but, you know, we we live with that, and we're confident with him shooting that shot every time. Luke, I've asked a lot of dumb questions, so I'm going to go for it. Have you ever lost a game, but at the end you're like, man, that was a fun game? Because I walked in today to the radio station, I said, I know I'm supposed to be upset, but that was one heck of a basketball game to watch. Yeah, no, I definitely, you know, regardless of a win or loss, it's exciting to me. Um, it doesn't make me happy. It right. doesn't necessarily say I'm happy with the outcome. Um, but, you know, th- those environments are kind of why you play play the game at this level, and, you know, it makes it, it, makes it a lot of fun. That fans, you know, Illinois fans showed out um, last night, and Northwestern fans did a good job, but... Um, you know, at the end of the day, I did enjoy playing in the in the game, but um, obviously the losing part of it was kind of a sour taste taste in our mouths after that. Regardless of kind of how how it was, both offenses played at a high level. Obviously, a lot of points. You went into overtime, which is understandable. You're going to add to that total, but man, the offense. We can get to defense, but on offense, both of those teams last night, you guys were really trigger happy, and they were all going in. It seemed like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, both teams, they shot a ridiculous amount from the three-point line. Uh, you know, everybody on their team shoots better at home, statistically speaking. And we knew that going into the scouting, uh, scouting them going into the game. And, you know, their guys were able to hit shots, and that's really what it came down to. Boo was able to get downhill, and they hit some tough shots. Um, Brooks was able to hit shots, and Ty Bear hit a couple timely shots. And, uh, you know, we were able to kind of go back and forth with them throughout the game, but... At the end of the game, they hit the shots that matter more. So, in overtime, they hit a couple of threes that were off of our mistakes. And, um, you know, credit to them. They shot the ball well. Luke Boo Boo, he's one of the best guards in the country, as you know. 29 points last night, seven assists. Mm. He didn't have any assists in Champagne, so you guys did a good job of, of cutting off his outlets and ability to hit other guys in that matchup. Maybe what was different last night, and I know you – uh, got caught on some switches with him, which they were playing into. I know you guys do the same thing offensively at the other end of, of playing into some mismatches and, and just so, some things that they want to do. What makes him so tough when you're trying to to cut him off and, and what he can bring to the table? Yeah, you know, he's a special player. He's done this now for the last three, four years. Um, just being able to score the ball when when their team needs the points and when he played at home against us, we were up for most of the game, so he kind of had to take over, couldn't really pass the ball, control the game, and 
Last night, he was able to control the game. Um, it was close throughout, and his teammates were hitting shots, so being able to get downhill and spray spray the ball was good for him. Um, you know, it's, it's tough to guard him because he is so small, and those refs were very uh, quick with the with the whistle. And, you know, that's, that's how it is in the Big Ten, though. You know, they, they want to make sure those guys get their shots, and, uh, you know, credit to him. He had a great game, and, um, you know, he's a good player, so it's, it's definitely tough to stop him. Brad talked about after the game going with the five-way switching. I know you guys did some of that last year, and even this year you guys have switched plenty. You see Coleman on guards, and, and this isn't maybe a new concept for you guys. I, I just wonder for a player, when they're running some of those rubs to get the matchup, is it hard as a player to maybe be selective with it, to say, no, actually, I know they're they're bringing an action towards Terrence maybe to try to get Terrence off of Boo. Is it How does that – play out from a player's perspective on defense to say maybe Terrence can can slide through this and stick with it I know that if you get caught up on it they'll maybe flare that out for a three with the guy who is the screener but uh how do you see that and is it, is it tough to maybe on the fly decide when you want to switch and not yeah well it, it kind of is what it is you know our our principles are either one through four switching or one through five switching on the ball so you know when they when they go get Terrence off of off of Boo and put you know me and Marcus they did that for the most part last night. Um, it's just kind of how it is. You know I don't think the ISO stuff. I mean Boo hit a, a step back on me, which was a good shot. But other than that, I mean when they when they did that switching, it wasn't necessarily on the ball. He got downhill a couple times. Um, mm-hmm. You know times that I can think on Terrence to tie the game up with uh, 20 seconds left, but. And then that step back three on me. But outside of that, I mean, it wasn't really the one-on-one. It was the off-ball stuff that killed us. So, right, right. Um, you know, he was able to get downhill on some ball screens too, some high ball screens uh, when we were in one through four switching and then drop coverage. Um, he was able to hit a couple floaters and stuff like that. But um, outside of that, I mean, honestly, after watching the game and everything, when they when they did that switching, they didn't, they didn't really get too much out of that. It was mostly the guys kind of off the ball that, you know, killed us coming off of the down screens and pin pin downs and stuff like that. So, in terms of matchups, I don't think that was the issue. You know, people on on Twitter, um, I just reading the stuff after the game, they talking about like they're going after people and stuff like that. And why why do we switch and do all this stuff? But um, you know, it's just kind of it's just kind of what we do. And I don't think that's what hurt us last night. I think it was the mistakes and kind of off ball stuff. We know Terrence is still trying to get back in a rhythm, as anybody would be missing three weeks and not practicing and and trying to, to reacclimate into this team. Uh, had a, a tougher night offensively with five turnovers and, and only made three field goals. Just how have you seen things from him? A guy that we know is talent, we know that he's going to get going again, but uh, what maybe challenges there for him to try to get back into that rhythm? And uh, I do want to ask you too, I mean, it was your first experience on the road with him since being back, and, and obviously they targeted him in terms of chance and whatnot, did, did that affect him or affect you guys at all? Oh, uh, you know, anybody being out for a month, it, it's tough, regardless if you're out for injury or regardless of what you're out for. Um, just playing basketball in the Big Ten, it's, it's impossible to replicate when you're not actually doing it. So being on the road with him, um, kind of playing against Northwestern in an environment like that, uh, with him, him, you know, just coming back into the fold is tough, and I'm confident that he'll be back and ready to go. I know that when he went down off of the the hit that that Barry gave to him in the face, and and I'm not asking you to say something that you wouldn't want to say, but it seemed like the fans were getting chirpy, and maybe you had something to say back to them. How tough was it in terms of what they they were given to him? Obviously, he's he's caught in a a situation that that's pretty sensitive, and and that you guys will probably be in it, facing this as you go on the road a lot, and and just a, a target on his back, so to speak. Yeah, uh, you know, kind of when he went down, um, you know, it wasn't necessarily all the chance that they were doing. Like, we were prefaced before the game. That stuff's going to happen just because of the whole situation, the nature of the situation. But, um, you know, a couple of the fans in the front row were saying some things um, just completely not. They, they weren't – didn't have to deal with the whole, like, what he's dealing with. It was more just disrespectful towards him as a person, mm-hmm. um, saying that, you know, they wish that he would stay on the ground and that he was hurt now for the game. Just, just disrespectful stuff, you know. I feel like uh, it's kind of my role to back my teammate up in situations like that. Did you guys show a zone for a second, and then they called timeout? I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. Uh, something that the, the Celtics do, and 
that's kind of something that we integrated just to steal possession here and there. And, uh, you know, it actually worked the one time that we did it in the game. Would it bother you? We I, I say this because I understand Brad Underwood is man-to-man and a lot of college – well, practically all of college basketball is, is man would it bother you? Because we get questions all the time. Why don't they show a zone on occasion if a team is on a roll and, and they're able to do this? Would it bother you to play zone, do you think? Or does that kind of go against what you guys are about? Uh, you know, honestly, I think it's a good a good thing to have in our back pocket. You know, when you can mix something up, teams get things going and they see certain things. And in the Big Ten, it's a, uh, it's a copycat league, so they find something that they like and they stick with it for the rest of the game, um, essentially. You know, you saw that with Northwestern last night with the high ball screen and getting the switches and stuff like that. They ran that for the last eight minutes of the game. So having a zone in to be able to disrupt actions like that I think is big. Uh, most teams you see in the Big Ten actually have it. Sure. And it's kind of interesting because it is the first year that we've done it in my three years here now. Um, so, so that's kind of interesting. But you watch teams. Um, Michigan ran it against us. Maryland ran it against us a little bit. Um, you got teams that full court press and zone and stuff like that. So just having that in our back pockets, I think, is something that's uh, important. I would imagine, Luke Goody, your eyes get about as big as they can when you see the other team in a zone. Yeah, 100%. Usually the teams aren't uh, in a zone when I'm in the game. Right. So, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Against Michigan, maybe a couple possessions. But when I was in the game, for the most part, uh, teams don't really run zone. I mean, how cool is that, though, to know that, like, yeah, teams don't play zone when I'm in there. I mean, that's pretty cool, Luke. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, I'm the complete reason why they don't. But, hey, to know that they have to, you know, think a little bit more with me on the floor in when they're in the zone is, uh, you know, it means I'm doing something. Like, I could see you walking around campus with a placard, like, instead of a necklace, and it just says, teams don't zone when I'm in the game. <laughs> I, I, think that, I think you ought to do that, Luke, and just walk around for a day, and people will be like, Dang right, that's Luke Goody, man. <laughs> yeah, hey, that might be an idea. I put on a shirt or something. Right. <laughs> Look out, Syracuse. That's why Jim Beheim retired. That's what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> it took Goody to get rid of him. Yeah, <laughs> Luke, you did hit back-to-back threes there in that that first half, I believe. What, what was that feeling like? I know it was early in the game, but like you mentioned, just the the way the crowd was going, it just seemed like a back and forth mm. type of battle where. You guys maybe like that went on a six zero run. Northwestern had their response and vice versa. How good did that feel to go on that little stretch? But just kind of the dynamic of the the punch for punch dynamic with that game. Yeah, you know, to be able to contribute like that um, in the game is definitely big. Coming and hit a couple shots back to back. I think they were up, you know, three or four or five points at that time when I came in and hit back to back shots. So just you know, helping my teammates get going. Um, you know, back in this. Sixth man roll, seventh man roll, just off the bench with Justin. Uh, it, you definitely get to a feel for the game, and you can understand what you need to come in and do. And yesterday, I needed to come in and hit shots. They started off pretty, pretty uh, quick and hit a few shots, and were super um, effective in what they were doing. And when I came in, I was able to hit a couple shots, and uh, they couldn't really double as much in the post, and kind of had to shrink the paint a little bit more. So. Being able to do that, was able to uh, space the floor and definitely got me in the rhythm of the game earlier. A few more minutes with Luke Goody on the Tapman's towing phone line. Speaking of punch for punch, were Coleman and Ty Berry about to throw Ooh, down at the go. end of the game? <laughs> yeah, I, I have no idea what happened. Like the Maryland incident, I explained to you guys what happened because I was right there. And that Coleman one, I have no idea. So apparently he boo or not boo, Ty Berry said something to Justin and Coleman went after him, and he ran away. So I, I don't really know. So I'm not gonna, you know, speak on that one. Yeah. Uh, transitioning to, you got a quick turnaround uh, prep. I'm imagining film and stuff as you get the scout for Indiana, and the, and the Hoosiers come to town on Saturday. You, you've kind of been caught here recently with some of these game two days in between, and then another game. So I, I'm sure you guys aren't in unfamiliar territory as that goes. I know we've, we've asked you before just what the team process or, or scheduling is like after a game but if you could take us inside like what will today look like as you gear up for indiana and and, and how will you go about approaching just the gear up for they're going to toss that ball up here in another about 48 hours or so mm. yeah um this is even shorter of a turnaround because we have a relatively early game on saturday and we didn't get home until 2 30 a.m last night so uh, quick turnaround. We're going to get in the gym today. Definitely go over um, scouting report and what they do, IU does, um, go over personnel and stuff like that. And 
uh, make sure we're locked in, and then tomorrow we'll get after it and uh, be ready to go Saturday. So we're looking forward to a, a good crowd Saturday, excited to play against IU and uh, bounce back. All right, Luke, because my mind goes there thinking about that. If you had an intra-squad UFC, UFC match, who does Luke Goody want to go against on Illinois, and who are you not even getting in the octagon with? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to stay away from Dane. Dane. Really? Dane's a big dude. Yeah, Dane. It's a long wingspan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm probably pick one of the one of the point guards, you know, Nico or Dre, if I'm going to <laughs> go after someone. But, uh, yeah. That's, that's Quincy probably, probably be tough too, right? Oh, I wouldn't face him. Oh, Quincy! Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot. I didn't even think about Quincy. I would not. I would not want to mess with him either. I had to. He's got like old man before strength. Before the season started, <laughs> yeah. Before the season started and stuff, I called him a football player because I had to guard him in practice, and um, you know he'd try and just run run people over. So I used to make a joke that he was Miles Garrett. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> if you get the uh, win on Saturday, you calling up Uncle Trent Green or uh, any Ooh. of your Indiana connections in your family? Yeah. Well. My friends that go to IU are actually coming to the game, so uh, and my brother actually goes to IU, so I have a lot of uh, bragging rights on the line. So I'm excited for this one Saturday. I gotta call this. Do you when you have friends there? Do you ever do like like if you hit a three? Do you ever do like a like a secret kind of point or something to them to kind of acknowledge that, or do you just stay away from that? No, I stay away from it. I just talk to them after the game. Uh, you know, talk some trash after the game. So <laughs> that's about it. I love it. Good stuff. Last one for you, Luke. Just kind of, I, I know you're in the middle of the the Big Ten grind and, and still a lot to play for. Obviously, uh, two games behind in the, in the Big Ten chase, but it, it could, things could turn. You still get another chance with Purdue at the end of the schedule, Wisconsin at the end of the schedule. How are you guys just still maybe thinking about what this regular season could be, and obviously gearing up for March too is is a big part of it as well. Yeah, it's the Big Ten at the end of the day. Purdue lost to Northwestern at Northwestern. Uh, Wisconsin has been, you know, they've been playing well. But at the end of the day, we got to be ready to go. And, uh, you know, anything can happen. As you saw, Purdue went into Nebraska, and Nebraska didn't miss a shot. Um, kind of like, you know, the Northwestern game, very similar. So we know that every team that Big Ten is capable, and uh, any team is capable of losing any given night. So we just got to keep taking care of business um, for us. And, you know, hopefully other teams kind of, fall off and hit some road bumps just like we have so far, but we've got to stay consistent to what we do and continue on to the next one. Good stuff. Luke Goody, rest up. Get ready for one on Saturday. I know that, as you know, uh, that's a battle that a lot of fans always gear mm. up for, Illinois and Indiana. It's my favorite, the, baby. The tension's going, and, and it will be fun to see that that home atmosphere once again. And, and hopefully you'll have some things to say to your brother and, and your friends afterwards. So uh, appreciate the time as always, man. We'll talk to you next week, and good luck on Saturday. Yes, sir. Thank you. Luke Goody on the Tapman's Towing phone line. That once again brought to you by Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. First Federal Savings Bank, local and trusted, and by Max Twin City Recycling. I bet Luke would be scrappy in a fight. Oh, 100%. You know, he'd be, 100%. He'd be like th- just throwing arms as fast as he can. Just, just, just coming at you. From he also every seems angle. like maybe a headlock guy. Yeah, I, I could see, see Luke that. getting you in a headlock. I could see that. No, I could definitely see that. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know why I thought of that because I, I saw Ty Berry run like a little baby, and I, I don't blame him. I, I, I wouldn't want to mess with Coleman Hawkins if he's that much taller. I mean, he can hit you before you get within four feet of him, kind of like Dane with that arm reach. So yeah, I don't, I don't blame him at all. I'm looking at this, you know. It, I guess, let me ask you guys this before we go to the next segment. How disappointed are you in the loss? And I'll start with Kyle, since, since you're more of the fan than, than, than Pipes. I mean, obviously, Pipes is a fan of Illinois, but he has to kind of become neutral to cover the team. I'm obviously a big fan. I was disappointed, Kyle, but yet, again, like I said, I, I just thought it was a high-level basketball game. Somebody had to win that thing. There were times, I mean, sure, you can analyze where that overtime where Northwestern got up seven immediately and it was like, okay, this one's done, or just the idea that you could not stop them. But, you know, I've watched Northwestern play quite a bit this year. I've got Ty Berry on my fantasy team, and I have not seen Barnheiser and, you know, some of those guys hit at the kind of, you know, level they were hitting last. I mean, they were what – 
11 of 18 from the three-point line. I mean, shot 61% from three. That's going to lead to a lot of victories, Kyle. So when you when that game ended, like the Maryland game, I was just dis- I was sickening. It was just like, uh, what did you think last night when that thing ended? I was definitely disappointed. I think it's just when you're in such a back-and-forth, high-level game like that and you got Marcus Damas coming down the floor with a chance to win in regulation – it's just that it's an emotional game as a fan. Like when it it's is. just that high intensity that when you come out on the losing side of it, I almost feel like that hurts more than a game where you just put a dud out, you know, and you're yeah. just, you kind of, you're watching the downfall as it comes. Like I thought Illinois had so many chances to win that game. And so that, th- that was disappointing. It, there's a difference between being disappointed and like sounding the alarm about how, oh, I, oh sure. this team isn't, you know, there's some big problems here. That's not at all how I feel. I think it, it, that's just a game where Northwestern beat number one team in the country there. They've made shots at home all season. I don't think there's a ton of shame in losing that road game. That's not one that's going to sit as a black eye on your resume, but I was disappointed because that was a, a chance to pick up a rivalry road win and with just how high intensity and how many chances Illinois had that they just missed, whether it was missed layups or mm. – whatever it was, like, it, it did hurt to lose that. I, I, For me personally, those games hurt me more. The ones where you play well and you have so many chances, when you come up short, those hurt more than when you just don't show up. And like it's just Maryland. Like, like it, you're, you're more angry after that. Like, after yeah. the Maryland game, you're like, ah, that's just a terrible performance. This one, <laughs> it's more disappointment because I thought they had a great chance to pick up what would have been a really fun win, yeah. and they just – blew a couple of them i'll tell you this pipes if you're a northwestern season ticket holder you have already gotten your money worth 92 88 overtime went over number one purdue 96 91 overtime went over what number 10 11 or, or whatever the, yeah 10th i mean you've already gotten your money's worth mm-hmm. and you still have a lot of home games left I, it those are two really fun high-level games that the cats came out on top at home and you you'd have to think if you're a season ticket holder you're you're walking out of that place just on cloud nine after that especially and and i wonder which win feels better upsetting number one purdue or is it you beat that's a good question you beat illinois so illinois had beaten them 10 of the last 11 prior to last night i think that it's probably this one it probably is. They'd never admit that either, though. No, no, no. Yeah. yeah, no, no, no. But yeah, I mean, come on. Let's. I mean, I, I looked at yours. I, I looked at your article yesterday, and the season series was like what one forty four to forty six or something. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it is. It's not like football, you know. I mean, this has just been an absolute onslaught from the get go for Illinois over Northwestern, and I'm sure deep down when they can get that victory over the Orange, it's it's tastes a little bit better even than upsetting number one Purdue but well, I could be wrong especially because their arena is half filled with Illinois fans you're right so the flip side of that is there's been enough times in Evanston where they've lost and then the Illini fan base is cheering cheering and parading <laughs> around and and heckling the Northwestern side for <laughs> and look there have been a lot of close games in yep. this series even though the it's very much one-sided historically for Illinois through the years there's usually a lot of close battles, especially up no there. But no uh, Illinois has gotten the better of them in a big way over Chris Collins and company. But, yeah, to follow up on what Kyle said, it's much more of a disappointing loss than it is a bad loss. It's, mm. not, it's not a bad loss. Like it is a, That's a tournament team. They've sure. beaten Purdue. They're undefeated at home in the Big Ten. Yes, they did lose to Chicago State in the non-con on their home floor. But, I mean, they smacked Michigan State there. They won a very – hotly contested game against Maryland that went down to the wire when Bowie and Jameer Young were were going back and forth but I just to look at it and we're it's the the way we're trying to frame this Illinois team in in terms of are they a legit Big Ten title contender which I don't think last night's loss took you out of it Mm -hmm. but it does create the separation where Illinois was keeping pace of being in that top group with Wisconsin and Purdue now Purdue could take a loss that they would be would be unexpected for them, or Wisconsin could fall inevitably and lose one of these close games. Yeah, right. Uh, which I should have, I said inevitably, but <laughs> I said I should probably have said maybe. Yeah, right. But <laughs> what I'm getting at is now you fall two games back. Sure. To Wisconsin, game and a half uh, behind 
Purdue in that sense. And, and this would have been a nice quad one win on your resume, although it's it's teetered but between quad one, quad two. Northwestern, until last night, was very firmly on the bubble. Uh, this one was is going to put them in a, win. In a really, bi- really good spot. I just think defensively, as you look at it, over the last month, Illinois has been pretty average. Agree. And they've had some issues with, with guards, with Young and, and Bowie, who are really good guards. But if you're thinking about the big picture and long term for Illinois, it's that you get in the tournament and, and could you get hurt by something like that, a, a backcourt matchup that especially if they get switches onto Damask and, yep. and Goody and, and those type of things, that that could be a problem. Now, Shannon is obviously not himself. Right. I don't worry about him not getting back into a dominant form, even though it will be tough on the road because it's going to be a distraction in terms of what he faces with the the crowds and, and, and all of that thing. So uh still think it's a very good team. But as Illinois is going in last night as a top 10 squad in the country, as they're talked about in the realm of are they a legit Final Four contender, those type of things, they could use some more meat on their resume in terms of like, top-notch wins, which I'm not saying beating Northwestern is necessarily that, but it would have been a really nice win. And you could have said, all right, that's a place where Purdue didn't get one, but Illinois did. And like Kyle said, they had chances to get it done. Just defensively, they had so many mistakes and just didn't feel like they they executed very well. And even the the game plan stuff that Brad implemented, which I know was highly criticized as far as the switching and and whatnot, they just didn't – they did not respond very well and let Bowie get – what he wanted when he wanted far too many times. I mean, there's there's one common denominator between the upset of Purdue and the upset of Illinois, and that's Boo Booey going off. True. And that's something he can do almost every game. And when he does that, especially at home, where, as Luke Goody just said, the rest of the team shoots better at home. So when you have Boo going off like he did against Purdue, like he did last night against Illinois – and then the rest of those guys are hitting shots, that's a recipe for some disaster play in Northwestern, and that's something that they can do on any given night, especially at Welsh Ryan. Two things I want to kind of sift through with you today. I know we got some Brad Underwood we want to hear. I, yesterday I brought this up with Corey Witt, who was here. I said, what is, a, is there a comp in Illinois history for Coleman Hawkins? I want, I want you to kind of think about that and kind of pick your – Mind, I know somebody said yesterday Jack Ingram, you know, is more of a big guy that could step outside and shoot, but I, I just didn't, you know, he didn't see enough volume out of Ingram necessarily. I, he was a huge, huge piece of that team. Don't get me wrong. But I'll just, I'll ask you that because it almost got us thinking like he might be like someone that doesn't have a comp and kind of the first of his kind at Illinois with regards to his height, his ability to play defense, but also take you outside. He can facilitate. He can run a break. I mean, there's a lot of things he can do. He's, he's, he's the modern-day NBA guy, essentially. With That's how they do it. So I want to ask you that. And then I thought later the three of us could go through the Big Ten schedule and just kind of see who's a pretender and who's a contender in terms of making the NCAA tournament because this thing is becoming a muddled mess. I mean, Minnesota, Minnesota was like the guy that starts on the – outside lane in the 800 or the 200 where he's got such a big lead it looks like but in theory you're all running the same or no I'm sorry it would be the guy on the inside and then all of a sudden they just get passed and because that's what they're doing right now they're being Minnesota and they're going right to the bottom but Mm -hmm. Iowa suffers a bad loss last night does Maryland have enough to climb up and get into a spot where they could possibly be in the tournament I don't know. This doesn't look good for the Big Ten. We knew that going in. We knew that going in. You talked about it one day about how many quad one wins can you actually get in this conference. So I'd kind of like for us to go through and just say, okay, is this team even able or or will this team even be able to push for a spot in the NCAA tournament? So I think that'd be cool to kind of go through and look at these teams. Sounds good to me. If you want to weigh in, you can. 217-359-2255. Hit us up. With questions, comments from last night's thriller in overtime, although a frustrating result for the Illini as mm. they fall ninety six to ninety one, you can hit us on the Tapman's or the Tapman Swing phone line. You'd have to call us during the break, but the <laughs> U of I Illini Link text line I dare you. to get your thoughts there as well. So uh, a lot more to break down as far as last night's result, and we'll get to your questions and also talk some 
some Coleman Hawkins and the rest of the Big Ten picture as well. Brad Underwood audio from last night too. So a lot to do. Stick with us. This is The Drive. Illini fans, gear up to support your Fighting Illini men's and women's basketball team this year at the official fan store of the Fighting Illini Game Day Spirit. From buy one, get one free basketball t-shirts to official NIL merchandise, Game Day Spirit has everything you need to support your Fighting Illini. Shop with them in store at the corner of Neal and Kirby in Champaign, 6th and Green in Campus Town, or online 24-7 at gamedayspirit.com. Game Day Spirit, where Illini fans shop. I-L-L-I-N-I. Cheer on the Illini and Pia's. The pregame fun starts at Pia's Sports Bar and Grill. Pia's serves up its famous 10-ounce Slugger Burger along with great wings and so much more. Enjoy 350 22-ounce light and course light drafts. Every home and away Illini game. Watch the game at Pia's or ride the free shuttle to all home games. You'll find it all at Pia's with live video gaming, sports, food, drinks, and fun. See you at Pia's, West Springfield Avenue in Champaign. Hi, I'm Tyler Weaver, president of Carpet Weaver's Flooring and Furniture Gallery. It's time to come home to Carpet Weaver's. We don't want you to just like your new floors. We want you to love them. From waterproof floors and carpet to furnitures and design advice, we've got a team of experts on your side. We'll get you the best price and the best quality products. And complete your home with furniture and accessories. Buy it all with free financing, too. Come home to Carpet Weaver's, where floors, furniture, and family meet. This is a familiar sound in Illinois. Cold snap grappling with heavy snowfall while bracing themselves for a significant winter storm. The snow will come, but you need to go to work, to school, to the store, to care for family. When the weather's rough, you need a vehicle that's tough. Sarah of Champaign wants to put you in an Outback, Forester, Crosstrek, or Ascent. There are so many reasons why a Subaru SUV is the best vehicle to drive during winter months. Standard symmetrical all-wheel drive, vehicle dynamics control, 8.7 inches of ground clearance, and available X mode for when the snow is extra deep. That adds up to performance and safety. Don't wait for the next storm warning. If you have to get where you're going, no matter the weather, see the huge selection and great deals at Sarah Subaru today. Route 45 in Savoy or online at sarahsubaruchampagne.com. You've heard about the doggy bag, right? From Bulldog Disposal Muhammad, a six-cubic-yard canvas bag that can be used for easy cleanup instead of a big dumpster? The one-time-use bag is now available, and you can save the delivery charge. Get the doggy bag at Do It Best Hardware in Champaign at 107 West Springfield. So fill up the bag, call Bulldog Disposal, have it disposed of, and you'll be organized. Go to BulldoggyBag.com for all the details. That's BulldoggyBag.com. At Pards in Urbana, the boots just keep on coming. They're known for their huge collection of men's cowboy boots, women's cowgirl boots, kids' boots, and even shoes. If you're searching for top footwear brands, look no further than Pards. They carry a wide variety, including Ariat, Dan Post, Smoky Mountain, Roper, Double H, and more. And if socks or accessories are what you need, they've got all your high-quality essentials. Since 1968, Pards has been serving their customers with high-quality merchandise. And if you haven't been to Pards in a while, a lot has changed. Go check them out just off University Avenue in Urbana. Jets is hiring. Call 217-352-9992 or stop in to 1907 West Springfield Avenue near Round Barn in Champaign. Jets is open till 10 p.m. Fridays and Saturdays till midnight. Are you looking for a side hustle? Here's Josh from Jets talking about the benefits of doing deliveries. When I was a delivery driver, it was amazing how much the actual amount of money I had just shot right up. You have money in your pocket every single day. For details on joining the team, visit JetsPizza.com. Hey, could you tell me what aisle your car batteries are in? Sure, I'll go grab one for you. Here's your battery. It might be expired, but oh well. Also, the brand isn't that great, but it should work for at least a year or two, maybe. Anyways, I went ahead and charged you for it, and here's the battery. Okay, have a great day. Uh, what just happened? Sometimes good things are hard to find, but they're worth the wait. Make the trip out to Interstate All Battery Center at 2504 North Madison Avenue and get all of your battery needs taken care of by the trusted professionals. Give them a call today at 355-4855. Really good college basketball game. Uh, I give Northwestern a lot of credit. Um, I thought that, uh, you know, there's a substantial differential in their percentages at home and on the road. And, uh, 
you know, shooting the basketball, and, and you know, there's a reason they've beaten who they've beaten at home. Um, they're very good. Uh, we didn't, uh, you know, we gave ourselves an opportunity. You know, we had the ball, you know, and, and um, you know, a shot to win it. And, uh, you know, it didn't go down. And then, uh, you know, we make a couple mistakes in, uh, you know, the first couple of possessions in overtime and uh, on the defensive side, and, and uh, they make you pay. So, yeah, really good basketball game. You're not going to, you know, we're not going to win many games, giving up 64% from the three-point line. Uh, we're not built that way. And uh, I loved what we were doing in the first half. Forcing twos. I think they had one three at half. And that's the difference in the game. And that's, that's what our defense is built around. So give them credit. And um, uh, we had a chance and, and, and didn't capitalize. Back on the drive with Sam Piper, ESPN Radio 93.5. A lot still to hit on regarding Illinois' loss last night in Evanston. We've had plenty of texts that I want to get to. Also, on the note of the Coleman-Hawkins comp, we got a pretty common answer coming in. I heard you guys talk about this yesterday. Okay. A lot of cookie references. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, with the 6'9", 6'10", stretch the floor ability, Cook had a, more strength to him. But I mean, he was pretty slender still. He was. But he was... Listed, I, I see here, 235, 240. A little more weight to him than Coleman has and better inside game. Yes, yes. But, yeah, the ability to kind of play that high-low with, with Cook. Yeah, that's it. I don't know why we didn't think of that last yesterday, and we, were, we even brought up Brian Cook yesterday, but I didn't really think of that. I know Coleman plays the five. Cook played more of the four. That said... That said, Coleman could easily be a four, and Cook could have played a five, and and sometimes did. So yeah, yeah, that's that's my bad because that that truly is the perfect comp. And I mean, Brian Cook was one heck of a player. Wow, he was so good. Good call by everybody. Good call. He says Brian Cook was about the same size frame and was a capable three point shooter, but I feel like Coleman is a little better defender and ball handler. Yeah, that'd be fair. Cook wasn't one that like could could get up and down the like grab the ball. I mean, he would, he could, but he wasn't comfortable doing that. He wanted to get the ball to somebody else and then go. Whereas Coleman, he just, he loves that. He's like, give me the right. ball. I'm going. Right. Man. I'm, he gets a head of steam on him and it's like, oh no, where's this going? <laughs> right. Yeah. No <laughs> but doubt. normally good this year. He's been, he's been a double double of late every game. He's played really well. Played but really well. You do have to then counter cook was a 20 and eight guy. Yeah. His senior year in the Big Ten oh, and was, was a, a first-round draft pick. So he was there are star. some things that, yes, Coleman can do maybe more in terms of versatility, but Brian Cook, better and more productive player mm-hmm. in college. Um, oh, there's no doubt. For sure. What's Coleman's last two games, though? What was he last night, 22 and 13? He was – Coleman Hawkins finished with 22 and 13, yeah. And then the game before – he yeah, had a double double against Michigan as well. Yeah, it was like eighteen and twelve or something. So he's kind of putting up some cook numbers lately. But yeah, for overall though, Brian was that's why he was playing for the Lakers, and hopefully we'll see Coleman Hawkins playing for someone yeah. in the NBA. No That'd doubt, great. no doubt. On the note of Coleman Hawkins, let's talk about some of the the coverages last night, the switching, the ball screen coverage. I, I do want to dive into this. It would be easier if I had a had the video up and can kind of break down, go like Mike LaTulip's film room as he does like on the line of inquire. But I did think that it was problematic last night. I didn't like how in the first half, Illinois sat in drop coverage, which usually you do when you have a, a plodding, slow-footed five-man, especially playing that far off. Like Coleman was so far down towards the Big Ten logo in drop coverage, which when Matthew Nicholson goes and sets the screen, so Coleman isn't following him up there to the top of the key where Bowie's playing off that screen. He's sitting back. And I know that the analytics say, okay, if Bowie takes a 15-foot jump shot or a runner from 
15 feet or so, which he's done a, a handful of times. That's a shot you'll live with. I just think that for as mobile and long as Coleman is, a guy that you're, you're comfortable switching on to an island with right. Boo Booey, why would you not bring him up and at least show some help, cut off a driving lane, let your guy recover, and then play that role with Nicholson? So uh, I thought that was something that Illinois let Boo Booey get too many open shots. And Derek, especially coming off Maryland where Jameer Young did that and just True. Yeah. tore you up with those little runners. Yeah. I, you Did you not learn from that? I mean, I, you know what I'm saying? I, it's like... Okay, fool me once, but you know Boo and Jameer are similar guys, and I'm with you. I, the whole time I kept saying, why is Coleman... He's so far off. It, it didn't make sense. And, and, okay, I'll say this, and I'll give Coleman the benefit of the doubt here, and everybody knows I'm a Coleman... I mean, I kind of go on his side a lot, but I think it's obvious to me he was told not to do that. Right, right. Or otherwise, then, he would have been up there. Yeah, I, I will say, again, like we don't know what the exact game plan was right. like what's the positioning where is he supposed to be you would think that this coaching staff if he was playing deeper than you would have wanted him to that you could coach him up and say all right pull this above the free throw line he was standing like big 10 logo sometimes even down by the i agree by the cylinder the right up below the rim so i think that even as you look back i, I was, went and rewatched all of boo booey's field goal attempts last night he had a lot of them he had a lot of them and in the first half, but also his first three in overtime. I know Justin Harmon goes under the screen, mm-hmm. but Coleman is down by the Big Ten logo, yes. like fi- like 10, 15 feet away from him, and Nicholson's setting the screen. And it's like also people have rightfully questioned, why did Illinois maybe not trap off of some of those ball screens with Nicholson? Because that's what Loyola did to Io, yeah. where it's like, okay, yeah. you want to – throw out of the double team, throw it to the wide open guy, Kofi, who's, set, who's sitting right at the three-point line or the free throw line, uh-huh. and a big man that doesn't shoot, doesn't dribble. You could, And again... It, well, he hurts you early. Yeah, Nicholson and some right? of the lobs. So yeah. did that kind of lead to that, do you think? Yeah. I mean, he had some dunks early, and, and he was effective early, and I wonder if Illinois said, okay, well, we don't want that to continue, so we got to start doing something different. I'd rather him beat me than Boo Boo. Exactly. Yeah. So I I think that was problematic in the first half. And then down the stretch, I know someone weighed in and said it took Boo Booey 25 shots to score 29 points, which is accurate. But it was really the the crunch time points that killed you. From the under eight timeout in the second half through the end of the game, he scored 15 points, shot 50% from the field during that stretch, had a handful of assists as well. And they were hunting the matchups of trying to similar Illinois does the same thing yep. trying to get matchups yep. for Marcus Damask and also Penn State did this to Illinois last year they bring a little rub screen without not with their center but with they were doing it with Ryan Langborg and, and using some of their guards to find let's find where Marcus Damask is let's find where Luke Goody is have them create a little rub or they're going to run across the face of of Bowie and there's going to be a switch but a lot of times they it wasn't actually a screen. Yes. Now if you get screened, then you probably want to switch because if you caught up in a screen, you're giving up an angle on a drive. If you're if you're just running past somebody, that seems like something where Terrence could just step up and get into Bowie and refuse to be screened, refuse Absolutely. the rub and whatnot. But I, I thought that that was a bad, just bad execution. Not necessarily the that the. Not necessarily that the game plan was bad. The switching right. was was a bad tactic. I just think it, there needs to be some nuance in there, some selectivity to say we don't have to switch this. Mm-hmm. So some of that's on the players, but obviously you got to prepare for it and practice too to be able to implement that when you get out there in the game. Just too many times, Boo Booey got what he wanted either the floater game that was open in the first half or in the second half into overtime the switches that they were really desiring as well. Luke spoke to as well. They were doing some good stuff off the ball to, to put Illinois in a bind. Illinois' defense got put in a blender last they night. Did. So they that did. was that was tough. I have a thought on that high screen. You got 12 guys on your team, right? You can have 12. How about you get Caden Fagan, and he starts, and he guards like a guy like Boo Booey, and the first time they set a high screen, Caden Fagan takes Nicholson and runs him about eight feet. <laughs> I guarantee you Nicholson's not going to want to set many screens after that. That's that's a thought. Hey, can I say that I'm being funny by the way. I'm trying to be funny. I'm never funny. Here tell me tell me this doesn't in, 
encapsulate, is that the right word? This is why I love sports, and this is why I love doing this sports show, and I think anybody out there listening could do this show, right? I'm not going to say the names, but here are two, here's two texts, uh, uh, I want them just, two texts within a matter of two minutes. Number one, here's another thought, why did Ty Rogers ride the bench almost the entire second half? Mm-hmm. Two minutes later, a, diff- a text from a different person, why does Rogers play? He isn't stopping any lead guards. He can't shoot. He gets almost zero assists. And then he said Underwood doesn't trap. He thinks it's cheating. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Now, both I'm not saying names. Both of these texters are common texters to our show, and I and they great they have great ideas all the time. But isn't that funny how one person can watch a game and and have an immediate like like Derek, you and I could watch a game and I could think something completely different from you. And you could be sitting there going, why is Ty Rogers on the bench? We need him out here. And I could be sitting over here going, why is he out there? I mean, isn't that funny? I mean, that just describes a fan to a T. And I'm the same way. I'm, I'm not calling these guys out. I'm, I'm the same way when it comes to that. And, and Ty is kind of a polarizing guy right now. He is. Especially with Shannon back. And, and his minutes have definitely been cut into. We talked about who is going to be the most impacted by yes. Shannon's return. And Ty played, I think, 14 minutes against Rutgers yep. and 16 minutes last night. I think it was only five after halftime. Wow. And it almost it almost started in that game against Purdue. Yeah. Right? Right. Where they kind of sniffed out the – whatever I'm trying to say. They sniffed out the, uh, the way to attack Illinois – and, you know, on defense, and then, I don't know. But then he he came back against Rutgers, was it? No. Michigan State. Michigan State, he came back. Jack and was, Sissoko and Carson Cooper. Was amazing. So sure, a, a very formidable five duo, yeah, but right, still, right, right. he did do well. <laughs> I had Maddie. Maddie is my number one sub, and we had to play him because Ware didn't play the other day. Oh, so boy. I'm like, Maddie, just don't foul out. So he got me two points, four fouls. So he didn't foul out. <laughs> I'm like, can I get more than two points out of you, dude? <laughs> he is just somebody that's never really impressed me. No. On the note of Ty Rogers, though, it is interesting. You look on paper, and in 16 minutes, six points, seven rebounds, two assists. It's pretty good production. Had three offensive boards with Illinois on the, on the whole at 21 offensive rebounds last night. So that was a huge, it's huge boost on a night when you didn't shoot that well particularly in the first half and being able to get those second chance opportunities I think with with Ty something that Northwestern did this game that they didn't do last game was use Nicholson to guard him which they didn't do that last game they in Champaign they had Nicholson and their other fives try to check Coleman right and that created the spacing that Illinois wants that allowed Coleman to shoot some threes and Brad kind of commented on that afterwards I don't know his exact line we'll play Brad Underwood's postgame as we go along here, but he was asked about why did Ty Rogers not really play? Why'd you r- ride with Harmon more than him? And it was, we wanted to have Nicholson guard somebody else, which th- for a good amount of the time, it seemed like Nicholson was defending Quincy. Mm. And Quincy got some real open looks he from did. three that he he made them pay for at times. He went three for six last night from beyond the arc. But I do think from a defensive standpoint, although Ty seems to get hung up on some screens maybe a little bit too much. I agree at the defensive end. And there were times, too, when he attacked Nicholson, and then that was just kind of a losing battle because he's so huge. He was just pretty much shooting he, the ball into, right. his, into his hands right. where he's, he's playing straight up and, <laughs> and whatnot. So, uh, But Justin Harmon played last night, and outside of his runner in the lane that was a really clutch shot and thought maybe it'd be the game-deciding basket, didn't do a whole lot in his 28 minutes. He didn't, and, and that's surprising of late because he's been pretty effective for Illinois of late. So... That was a little bit surprising. I felt, I almost felt like when Shannon was out, Harmon took advantage, right? He, he was the guy that really took advantage of that to get more minutes. He was more confident, it seemed like. He was knocking down threes. And now with Shannon back, now all of a sudden you're, you're playing into the thought of Ty gets less minutes. But like Austin said, hey, no three-point threat allows him to sag a defender to take away DeMass' booty ball. And, and he's right. It's true. And, and that's what we saw against Purdue. And, and now probably the blueprint that a lot of teams, you'd be silly not to do that if Ty is in the game. But I feel like you know Luke Goody's minutes have been affected. Ty Rogers' minutes have been affected. But I don't know Ty's minutes have been affected because of Shannon. I, Goody and Harmon's have. 
Now, I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm, I'm glad Terrence Shannon's on this team, and I think those two would, would admit the same thing. But maybe it's, it takes a little time for these guys to adjust back to that. It's not just Shannon that's adjusting. It's everybody else adjusting to him back on the team, and maybe for a guy like Harmon. But again, I, Justin Harmon's been really good this year. He's been really good. He's been a lot better than I thought he was going to be. So he just kind of had an off night last night. He just, he, not even an off night. He just didn't do much. Didn't do much. Kyle, what do you think about the Ty Rogers cutting into hit some of his minutes? Because Harmon plays 28, Goody plays 21, Ty plays 16. To me, I don't have much of a problem with it because at the end of the day, Illinois is a far better offensive team when Ty isn't on the court. Like it's, and it's not. I'm not trying to rag on him as a player. It's just, yeah, he's he limits your offense because he gives you a complete non-shooting threat. And I thought Illinois was generating really good offense in the second half. That wasn't their problem. I liked the looks they were getting, and I thought him not being out there allowed them to get some big threes and and get to the basket and like. Someone on the text line said, like, yeah, him not being out there does open up the floor for Damask to get to his spot and not have the lane clog up and not have a help defender be able to sag off a tie. And then when he's looking to kick it into that weak side corner, well, if that's Ty Rogers there, then all of a sudden, you know, he's not going to shoot. So yep. I, I think there was maybe an opportunity to, to sprinkle him back in in the second half when Bowie was going off just to throw somebody different at him. Then again, they were switching everything, so is that going to make much of a difference? Anyway, they're still going to get the matchup they wanted. I just, I had no issue with Ty sitting. I thought the offense was, offense just looks better with him out, not on the court. Yeah. That's just the way it is. That's how I see it. Yeah. Has the Dane should play more camp? The cam- is that campaign over? I, I still over? see it from people. Like, I just don't get it. Yeah. I, I couldn't yeah. disagree with it more, but yeah. yeah. We did get a uh, really good text in that we can get to next hour, and it's about Brad Underwood and his coaching style. And I'd like to – it'd be something to bring up. Sure. And I, I know we need, I'd like to hear from Brad as well. I know we'll get, we'll get to that. He wasn't really in a big talkative mood after that game, was he? He wasn't, and there weren't a lot of questions fired off either. I, I get it. It was one of those where yeah. admittedly you're in there and there's no huge grand takeaway. There's it's, no storyline. It's a really good game right? that you – that Illinois lost. And, yes, defensively they struggled, which he admitted to. He took blame for the – he did. Some of the, the game plan stuff defensively. And he did not want to get into the Shannon chance. Yep. Oh, no, 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 no. At all. And I don't think he will comment no. on that at all. I want to get your guys' thoughts on that as I, well before we get out of here. I haven't done television now in 20-some years, right? I still, when a game ends, I'm still in my mind as what was the storyline of that game. Because that's how you worked in TV. And I, that's how you work. That's how in the media we work. And a lot of times, you know, there's a storyline. There's a clear storyline. Last night, like, I don't know what I would have asked Brad Underwood in that thing. It's, I, I probably would have been like, Brad, that was a hell of a game, like I did with Luke Goody. I just, I don't know. There's no storyline. I, I was impressed with both teams, and unfortunately, Illinois came up on the wrong end. Yeah. You're going to lose some. You will. You will, for sure. Uh, continue to weigh in on the U of I Atlanta Link text line, 217-359-2255. We'll talk more about this game and hear from Brad Underwood before we get out of here. This is The Drive.